know, I love the first two words of what's commonly referred to as the Lord's Prayer, in which Jesus refers to God as our Father. In so many ways, a parent-child relationship is meant to reflect God's love for us. I'm John Fuller, along with Dr. Danny Huerta, who leads our parenting department here, and we're going to hear a bit more today from a conversation that Jim Daly had with Mark Matlock and David Kinneman. Uh, Now, they've done extensive research through the Barna Group on how young adults are doing regarding their faith. David and Mark, welcome back. It's so good to be here. I think you can sense a little bit of energy here because, again, so many of us, I'm living it, and I know literally hundreds of thousands, if not a few million of the listeners are living it as well. We left off last time uh, as we began to look at the five attributes. We covered one, which was the intimacy with Jesus. Uh, Mark, add to that for the new listeners that didn't hear last time. Uh, Expand on that one. Yeah, you know, you would think that if we are going to church with any kind of frequency that we're experiencing Jesus in the same way, that we're having fellowship with him. But what we found is that just isn't true. Every teenager that goes to church, every young adult that goes to church isn't having the same experience with Christ. And those resilience, uh, which were our kind of exemplars for this, they are able to clear away a lot of the kind of religious clutter that's developed and accumulated in our church services and our programs and our lives that kind of take us away from experiencing that. And they're able to kind of get right to the heart of that. And one of the things that I think is is just really interesting in this moment um, is really looking at the relationship with Christ. We always say it's a relationship, not a religion, um, Christianity. But do we always talk about it that way? Mm. So you'll remember I was talking about that one individual I was engaging who was debating me about his faith and trying to convince me that God didn't exist. Well, I chose to not engage him from an apologetic standpoint. I didn't try to prove to him using reason or rational arguments. This is why you should believe in God. This is why you can have confidence that he exists. Um, I say that as like round two. What I wanted to start with is, have you experienced Jesus? Mm. Have you met Jesus? Tell me about that. Because here's a young man who's grown up in the church. He's getting ready to graduate from high school. And he basically has decided that all of this is a bunch of malarkey. And I'm trying to sit there and go, how do I convince him otherwise? My training was go apologetics on him. But what I realized was I don't know that he's met Jesus. And Mm -hmm. if I can introduce him to Jesus, that's the best apologetic ever. And so that's one of the things we have to think about when we're doing this. It's not about trying to convince somebody, but it's really about introducing them to Jesus himself and helping them experience Jesus in their life. And that's what we found those resilience have. And that way, when they go into their college experience, their work experience, uh, into their life, Jesus is going with them because that relationship is intact. That is so powerful and so on point. I mean, but we do. I think it's just, I don't know, it's a human uh, trait to want to win the argument, right? And we default to that posture rather than saying, wait a minute, what is this faith in Christ all about? Personal relationship. We say it all the time, and then we don't talk about it. And I think exactly. And I think apologetics are more important than ever, but learning how to use them and use them well right. and understand the relational dynamics that are happening for people. So uh, that story that Mark's telling reminds me of one of my inspirations for this 12 plus year journey on understanding this new generation. I was a high school volunteer at our local church. Uh, one of my best friends, Eddie Ramos, is the the youth pastor. And uh, one of the young women was graduating high school, just turned 18. And um, she asked this question, 
uh, what would the Bible have to say about selling her eggs? And I remember kind of doing a, <laughs> right. a, a head scratch about that one. But she had found online a fertility clinic. And I, you know, at first I was like, I thought this young woman, Colleen, just had backyard chickens, uh, but it was, it was not that. She, she had found online a fertility clinic, and for thousands of dollars she could, she could sell her eggs. And, um, and so Eddie and I talked about this, and we realized, again, there's always answers, but there's also a question that has to lead before the answers that we give to this new generation. Mm. And so for us, we started talking to her about what's motivating this and what do you, do you need money and what are you trying to do? And where's, you know, like, where are you at? Now she had the courage to ask us, but it was that story that really got me going on this theme of digital Babylon and the idea that screens were going to change our role as youth leaders and parents, because there was a whole world out there for young people to experience. At least Colleen had asked us that question. Uh, but but getting to understand what's behind the question, what's behind the experience, rather than just like start hammering away with the logic of following Jesus, we should find a way to have a, a sort of a, an apologetic that's first relational, yeah, that asks questions first. Danny, I so appreciated uh, what we heard there from David about his openness to you know kind of tackling a difficult question. I mean, mm-hmm. parents have to be willing to engage in those kind of awkward, hard conversations if they really want to see their kids um, learn to understand the gospel well. When it comes up so often for some parents, especially in the culture today, there's so many difficult conversations and then awkward ones. I remember a a family that came into my practice. It was a mom and a daughter. And she said, my daughter surprised me with her same-sex attraction questions. She said, I was not expecting that. How do I handle that? That's completely foreign to me. I don't know how to how to manage these conversations, and they're kind of awkward for me. They're they're just weird. And as we uh, looked at the purpose of the questions, that she's looking for belonging, she's looking for competence, she's looking for these things that are really found in her relationship with God. That's where she can find them. So the mom knew that I, she's got the answers to these, but it. It has to be within the context of a relationship and with patience in praying deeply for her daughter. And as they came in and we had conversations filled with with grace and love for this young woman, uh, this young woman could see that in her mom, that her mom didn't believe in this yet was willing to answer all the questions and uh, was steadfast in her faith, but not in a in a way that was clamping it down on her. And uh, we'll fast forward two years later, and this young woman got married to a young man and uh, found attraction to, to a man. She, she really found that freedom and, and was able to unlock some of the things that were preventing her from mm. being attracted to men. It was quite a journey for her, but it required a mom being willing to just be patient with it, not panic. And to bring God's truth, God's love uh, along the way. And those were conversations in the car, on walks, on vacations, in the counseling office. This mom was steadfast, really proud of how this mom handled it mm-hmm. from a biblical worldview with patience and with love for her daughter. Mm. Well, that is a powerful illustration. And it's just one of the difficult conversations that our listeners might have with their kids. Um, Let me turn to the audience and just say David and Mark's research regarding young adults um, and some of the biblical perspectives that you can bring to bear are found in their book, Faith for Exiles. Uh, Now, we have that book here at the ministry. We'll send that to you when you make a contribution of any amount to the ministry. 
We rely on your generosity to continue producing podcasts like this for Danny's team to step up and um, have helpful answers for you about some of those difficult conversations you might have. Uh, We have a really rich website, and uh, your donation helps us equip parents for a range of uh, mom and dad experiences with their kids. The link to donate and to get that book is in the show notes. And if you're dealing with a difficult issue with your child, if he or she is struggling in their faith, if they have sexual identity questions, uh, whatever you're dealing with, if you need to set up a time with one of our counselors, please know that's a free service that we offer, a, a free phone consultation to kind of hear what's going on, to uh, pray with you, to, to set some next steps for you in the journey as a parent with your child. And you can arrange for a counseling consultation over the phone when you call 800, the letter A in the word family. And uh, we'll have further details in the show notes as well. And David Kinneman and Mark Matlock will join us next time to share about how your teen can practice something called cultural discernment. For now, on behalf of Dr. Danny Huerta and our entire team, I'm John Fuller, and thanks for listening to the Focus on the Family Parenting Podcast. Messing up at school can be embarrassing, but Average Boy is used to it. He tries, fails, and tries again, thanks to help from his friends Billy, Jenny, and Sarah. Join Average Boy in his very first fun-filled novel called Average Boy's Above Average Year. He deals with bullies, homework, and more, while following God and showing God's love to others. Check out this book, perfect for the 8-12-year-olds to in your life, at AverageBoy.org. That's AverageBoy.org.